Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's episode of the My Brand HQ podcast, I'm sharing a recent interview that I had with Carla Cabrera Gonzalez. Carla is the director for the international division within Claire Joster International, the executive search division of Eurofirms Group, the second largest provider of HR services in Spain. Carla is on a mission to share about her vision for the future of talent and by doing so she has launched recently her YouTube channel called Humanocracy and it's a series of interviews of which this is one element. You can grab the link to the series, the Humanocracy series, in the show notes. During our interview I shared with Carla what you can do to get ahead in your career and create opportunities the valuable tips to thrive at work by building your personal brand, how to be visible and show up as the best version of yourself, and the importance of nurturing the right network around us. So let's head over and hear what we had to say. So Leila, thanks again for your time to record this interview and you author Success Redefined. What is your definition of success? Um, that's a really good question. I think it, it's it's very personal to everyone. For me, there's probably three aspects that are really important. Um, and the first one is looking to do something that is rewarding and fulfilling. And that doesn't necessarily mean going off and, and doing something that you have that you love as a hobby. Let's say photography. I'm thinking, right, I need to go and do that as my job. It's about looking to enjoy what you do in your day to day. You know, all of the roles I've had throughout my career have been things that I have genuinely really enjoyed doing. And a lot of that comes down to mindset as well and, and how you look at things, which I think I'll, I'll probably touch on a bit later. But that's a big thing for me is really looking to ensure that you're enjoying your life and enjoying where you're spending those maybe 40 plus hours a week. Um, the second thing, and I think for a lot of people, this will be a lot more um, prevalent now, is having strong relationships, building connections around you. Um, I think with the, the global pandemic and the lack of connection and, and remoteness with people or, or, you know, the isolation has really had people realize that for me, it's something that historically has always been important. It's always been important for me to have people around me. So friends, peers, colleagues, and that's for different reasons. So for that support, people to just chat to and have that connection, but also you learn from them. Um, you can run ideas past people. It's like a really strong support network. Um, so that for me is very important in terms of success is having a really good network around you. And then finally, and this is something I think most people struggle with, and it's something I've really worked on over the last maybe five years to hone down, is being able to live from a place of calm and contentment. In other words, recognizing, expressing gratitude for what you do have, because at least Western society, as I see it nowadays, a lot of people are looking for what they don't have, and a lot of that's materialistic. 
But if you come from a place of gratitude and contentment for what you have, the gratitude in itself will enable you to attract more of that good stuff. So recognizing what you have got. That's not to say that you shouldn't aspire for more either. So there's a fine balance there. And I think something I learned a few years back was that we're brought up to believe that life should be difficult. It should be hard. And in actual fact, life can and should be effortless. It should be easy we, that we can live in that flow. And it's being able to trust that and learn to come from that place. And we have the ability to influence that. And I think that's where, for example, the work that I do with my clients is around that self-awareness. It's how can we take control of situations? What can we influence to create a better experience, both for ourselves and for people around us? So I think for me, it's those three things. And being able to influence our own experiences so we have better ones better outcomes is is really is a powerful place to be and it's something that I, I feel everyone can do if they're open to, to trusting that process right and why is that many talented and ambitious professionals fail when pursuing a successful career in incorporate because it's not sometimes lack of effort I see many hard-working people but they can't get where they want to yeah and and I think I'd start by asking what's the definition of failure um, because for me failure is learning and it's growing so we we all make mistakes it's how again how we choose to label it um, and so to your question if we're doing something and we're not getting to where we want to be what do we need to do differently would be the question to ask um, and you know you you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of where what I learned early on in my career is that you can work really, really hard um, and not be successful or achieve the success you want. And what I learned very early on from uh, a, a manager that I had is that he said, you've got the capabilities, you know what you want, but you will struggle because people don't know who you are. They don't know what you bring to the table, the value. They don't know about the work that you're doing and you have to make yourself known and that's where, for me, personal branding becomes so important. And the other aspect of that is your ability to take risks, to try new things, to grab opportunities, to take on challenges. In other words, to step out of your comfort zone. Because that's where, as they say, the magic happens. And that, for me, is where I realize what I'm truly capable of, because I kept doing that throughout my career. And I think... If you stay in that place of comfort, you'll never realize your true potential. So when we talk about not succeeding in your career, a big part of that is about taking those risks of, of trying something new, of applying for that job that maybe you don't have all the experience for, because that role will allow you to grow. For me, I say, why take a role where you tick 100% of the things on the job spec? Because why are you even moving? you, you want to be able to have something new in, this, in, in your role as well. Um, and I think what else is there it, 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 that's important is being able to speak up. And again, something I wasn't able to do early on when I lack the confidence is to be able to speak up and to ask for what you want. That's really important. So whether it is the pay rise or it is to be considered for another role or for a big project, you want to be able to speak up because you've got to remember, put yourself in the shoes of your manager, as an example, 
they have a lot on their plate. They have a lot to think about as well as their people. And sometimes they can make assumptions innocently. They might feel that they look at your situation and think, well, actually, I don't think they'd be interested. So they don't even consider you. And actually, you want to look. Yeah. So, so you don't want to make assumptions or allow other people to make assumptions. So you need to be able to speak up. And I think the, the, the third thing is um, uh, around being honest with yourself. And this can be uncomfortable. But I feel that if you're not in the right environment, in other words, if you find yourself in a, an environment in the workplace that's toxic, that's not supportive, maybe there's bias, there's prejudice. And if you just cannot see a way around it, to influence that or to maybe move to a a different team where you've got a manager who is more supportive, then you want to ask yourself, what are you prepared to compromise on? What are your non-negotiable values? So you want to compare those two. What is non-negotiable for you? And if, if you're having to compromise on those values, how long are you prepared to do that for? Because you'll start to resent the situation and that, that can affect you in so many ways, whether it's your mental, emotional, physical health. So I think that's a big part of being honest with yourself. And what are you prepared to do for the money? It's, it's not a, it's not a, um, a comfortable question to be asked, but it, it, you want to ask yourself that. Completely. And what is the foundation of someone's reputation at work? My belief is that your personal brand is your professional reputation. So what does that mean? That means to me, um, it's what people say about you when you're not in the room. It's others' perceptions of you. So it's not how you think you come across, it's about other people. And there's often a gap because how we see ourselves is often not the same way that other people see us. So you want to start to understand that. Um, And also the most important part I feel is the feeling that people experience when they when they uh, meet you, when they work with you, when they hear your name mentioned. That if you think about yourself and and you hear someone's name mentioned, do you immediately go, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to to hopping on a call with that person? Or do you think, oh my God, I'd rather not, but I'm going to have to. And that's that feeling. So you want to be creating really positive experiences and feelings for other people. So when they, they hear about you, They want to gravitate towards you. They want to work with you. They want to hire you. All of those good things. I feel that's um, super important. And you create a very unique framework um, to kind of redefine um, our positioning at work. So could you tell us more about the framework that you built? Sure. So the framework is based on my career journey, I guess, in terms of almost reverse engineering what I did and what I went through in order to achieve the success that I did. And the reason I say that is because if you'd asked me maybe 25, 27 years ago when I embarked on my career, if I would ever do what I had done and I'd, if I'd worked in sales and be very successful and, and you know build a lot of revenue for the company I was working for, absolutely no, absolutely no. If, if you'd asked me then if I would be able to stand up and speak in front of an audience, No. If I'd be able to run my own business? No. So I've looked back at what I've done to get to where I am now and identified that a lot of that comes back to your branding and the things that I have done that I feel are very important to master to be able to, what you want to be doing is is to, to stand out, 
to be top of mind for the people that matter. So the decision makers or the, the, the hiring managers, the people who, who make the decisions about the bonus, the pay rise, the people who can be your advocates and refer and recommend you. And so there's six aspects to this. Um, I call them the six pillars to personal branding. And they're all about the human aspect. So it's not about what your social media profile looks like. It's about number one, getting clarity on who you are, what you stand for, what you want to be known for, and who you need to become to achieve that. So looking at your values, looking at the perception you have of you versus the perception others have of you. So those are some examples. So that's the stuff that's really uncomfortable. And people don't like to look at themselves, but it's the foundational starting point. The second thing, so there's six C's, these pillars. The second one is confidence. And when I talk about confidence, it's about your mindset, because I believe that your mindset is the biggest thing that can hold you back from moving forward. We can have all of the skills and strategies and qualifications, education. And yet, if we haven't implemented a winning mindset or adopted rather a winning mindset, it's the biggest thing that will hold us back because that looks at things like your um, your self-talk, your inner dialogue. And those are the things that stop us achieving what we want to. So that's number two. Number three is captivate. And that is about presence. So that's about how you show up in person, the way that you come across. And if you think about it, often when people talk about first impressions and meeting someone, and I've had this said to me, they'll say, well, I, I never know what to say. I might say the wrong thing or look stupid. And and, and it's that that they're focusing on to form that impression with others. And actually, people have formed an impression of you before you've even uttered a word. In other words, it's about your presence, your um, nonverbal communication. So the way that you carry yourself, simple things like your smile, your posture, you know, your gestures, the eye contact, all of those small things that are incredibly powerful, both for enabling others to form a positive impression of you, but also for you to feel much more confident and having that certainty in yourself. Because when you have that, other people will feel it and they will gravitate towards you. They will respond differently towards you as opposed to if you are somebody who's maybe having self-doubt and lacking confidence. So that's a very important one as well. And then the fourth one is communicate. And so that's the verbal, the 7%, because 93% of communication is the nonverbal piece, 7% of the words. And so with that, we look at how we communicate effectively. When you deliver a presentation, is it death by PowerPoint? We've all been there. Do you have people sitting there scrolling on their phones, looking at their watches, waiting to move on? Or have you captured their attention? Are they just sitting there wanting to hang on to your every word and wanting to hear more? Is it an experience that leaves them feeling good? So imagine if you're pitching and you're pitching the exact same proposal as your competitor. And the difference is the people in the room remember you for that compelling, that engaging delivery and the way that you made them feel. And that can make the difference between winning and losing. So your communication style and understanding how other people receive information is also very important. The fifth one is connect. And that is about your connection, your relationships, which I mentioned earlier. And I've realized over, particularly over the last year, that many people don't recognize the importance 
of uh, both cultivating and nurturing your relationships. And that is a big part of you want to uh, surround yourself with a circle of influence. So your advocates, your sponsors, the people who've got your back. And you will have, for example, groups of people who are like your peer group. So they're people that you can probably be more open and honest with and, you know, run ideas past and speak to them if you're experiencing challenges. You've maybe got your clients, whether they're internal or external. So you want to build a strong reputation with them. So you want to cultivate those relationships. Then you've got your senior leaders, your management, the leadership team, the board. Again, you want to cultivate those relationships because they're the decision makers. They're the ones who are going to influence your career. So those are the five. And then the final one, number six, is about cultivating your um, personal leadership. And what I mean by that is bringing all of these five things together and showing up as a leader in your own right. So I'm not talking about your job title. I'm talking about being able to influence your own outcomes, being able to influence other people. And as a consequence, being perceived as a leader and having people want to gravitate to you because you inspire them, you can influence them and they feel that they want to be around you. And that's a great place to be. So, so that's that for me is your brand. I feel uh, that personal leadership happens as well in your private life as much as in your professional life. At, in the end, you can split yourself in two, right? You are the same person. Absolutely, yeah. So even, you know, I've had people ask me, um, you know, um, can I have two personal brands? No, because then there's no congruency, right? You want to be aligned with your values and authentic in all that you do. And you're absolutely right. The way that you show up, the way that you, we do one thing is how we do everything. So if you're clear on your values um, and your non-negotiables, you will easily and effortlessly be able to show up in the same way in any situation. And actually, a lot of people talk about personal branding being your online presence. And I feel that what we just discussed here comes before that, because once you get clear on that, that will naturally filter through when you're writing, for example, your LinkedIn profile. So then you'll be easily aligned. Completely. So Leila, I believe in these uncertain times, we can't rely 100% um, on our jobs to secure ourselves. If we have someone in the audience, whether they are employed or unemployed, how they can create more opportunities for themselves? Some practical tips. Yeah, and I think when it comes to creating opportunities, a big part of that is about the people around you. And so there's different aspects to this. First of all, it's about who you know. So start thinking about who are the people that you already know. And then the second part of that is who knows you. So you want to, what I mean by that is, is you want to always be looking to expand your network. Why? Because particularly if you're in the job market, a lot of the roles and I'm sure you can um, validate this as well Carla is a lot of the roles get filled through the back door so to speak in other words is through connections referrals rather than because they've been advertised so how does that happen it happens because of who knows you so what you want to be doing is nurturing your existing network as well as reaching out and cultivating a wider network and that means two things it's first of all staying in touch, making the effort to stay in touch and nurture those existing relationships, touching base with people. And I honestly believe over the last 12 to 15 months of this pandemic, it's been a fantastic opportunity to do that. Because people are much more accessible. 
People want connection and people are open to having those conversations. And it doesn't have to be a long conversation and utilizing lots of people's time, but just checking in with someone, just hopping onto a call like you would do in the office at the water cooler or at the coffee machine. You just drop on a hop on a call with someone for 10 minutes and have a quick catch up, see what's going on. It's just being front of mind. So people are, are, are with you. You're you're building that rapport, that connection with them on a consistent basis. What you don't want to be doing is not making any effort and doing anything about your network and then finding yourself in the job market and then uncomfortably having to reach out to people maybe that you've not spoken to for a very long time where you feel that maybe that connection's been lost to ask for a favor because you'll feel uncomfortable. It won't land very well with a recipient of that request. Um, They may resent it a little bit. It's very difficult to say no. But you don't want to be breaking relationships like that. So by maintaining relationships as much as you can, it means that when you do need help, it's easier both for you to reach out and for the other person to say yes. And I've had people say to me, people in senior roles, tell me that they've had people that they've never even spoken to before, message them and say, I'm applying for a a job at your company. Can you give me a reference? Now ask ask yourself why would someone put their reputation on the line and make a referral to someone they've never even spoken to so that's an extreme example and something you obviously want to avoid so you want to be making sure that you're continually nurturing the relationships and also cultivating new and what I mean by that is even people maybe that you've not spoken to for say 10 years that you worked with at the start of your career go find them on LinkedIn reach out message them and then build that relationship online and then invite them to a conversation. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, well, what am I going to talk about? And the easiest thing right now, if you think about the, the um, approach when you're building relationships, it's about building rapport. And how do we build rapport? We build rapport through finding um, connection with someone, some things that we have in common. And right now, over the last 12 months, everyone has the same thing in common. and That is the global pandemic. That's not to say that everyone has experienced it in a different way. Some good, some bad. So with that in mind, that is a great, um, let's say, a, a, a current challenge that you can begin with to start to build that rapport, to ask people, you know, how has it been for you? How has it impacted your business or your job or, you know, the, the team that you're in? How are you finding that? Just And be genuine and sincere about it because you genuinely want to know. And then depending on the dynamic of the relationship and where the conversation goes, you could even take it to a bit more of a personal situation. Have you been getting on working remotely, you know, juggling maybe uh, managing the kids and homeschooling, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a a, a basis to start that conversation from. And believe me, people are happy to help. I used to be the person who didn't want to ask for help and felt that people may say no. But actually, it's harder to get a no than it is to get a yes, because people want to help and support others and, and to bring them up with them. So the biggest thing for me, if you're looking at creating opportunities for the future, is surrounding yourself with what I call a circle of influence. And you want that to be a combination of your peer group, your advocates and your sponsors and your mentors who all play different roles. So you're going to have your mentors who are people who have got the experience of perhaps a role that you would like to do or where you want to be. 
so they can guide you along and, and share the mistakes that they've made that you can learn from so you can get there faster. You have the advocates, the people who have got your back, who are more than happy to, to shout about you and to refer you without a second thought and who will have you top of mind if an opportunity came up. You've got your sponsor. So those are the people you want to sponsor you into Ross. So that's a bit more of a formal arrangement and people typically within your organization um, as well as outside, but people who will sponsor you into having conversations or to other roles. And then you've got your, your, your wider peer group. So the people that are there, you can just ask for advice and, and run things by and, and get feedback from time to time. So for me, that is the biggest thing that you can work on and develop to almost secure yourself for the future. I think it's very important what you just said, because we um, think of our circle of influence as peer peers, um, friends, perhaps family, and then people from work, whether they are you know, colleagues or managers, but nothing else. And I don't think we kind of actually figure out who are those advocates, mentors, people that you know, can, in the end, create opportunities for ourselves. So yeah. yeah and how we can find our natural talents and leverage them? <laughs> Good question. I think, so for me, you know, people talk a lot about strengths and weaknesses or development areas. And when they talk about strengths, they talk about your, what you're good at. Mm. And for me, that's your performance, what the things that you're good at performing at. Um, when it comes to strengths, I believe your strengths are the things that energize you. So it's the energy behind it rather than what you're good at. So you could have really good energy behind something that you're average at, that you maybe you're not at the top of your game yet. But what does that matter? Because you can master that. You can invest your time and energy to master that thing because it energizes you. You love to do it. It doesn't have to be that your strengths are only things you're good at. And I'll give you an example of this that I use quite often, which is myself and Excel. So Microsoft Excel, when I was in my accounting career, I would use, as you can imagine, Excel extensively. And some of the roles I had required me to look all day at spreadsheets. And that is something I'm good at, but it doesn't energize me. There's a difference. So by the end of the day, if I had to work on spreadsheets and cost models and analysis all day, I feel quite drained at the end of it. Whereas if I was, so when I was in my sales role, I still used Excel and I'm good at using Excel, but I was using it to forecast my deals, to track my deals and to, to, to you know, just work out certain aspects of, of data on the deals. Um, for me, that energized me because I was jumping in and out and using it from time to time. It wasn't a sort of eight hour day of Excel, I'd pop in and use it for what I needed. And for me, I'm good with that because I'm, I'm good at using it and to be able to use it sporadically for things works for me so it didn't drain me it energized me because I enjoy it mm. so it's a, there's a, a fine line of, of difference between the two and if you take your time to, to list all the kind of tasks that you've done throughout your career and then look at look at them honestly and say which ones do I love to be doing which things actually really energize me so think about the aspects of um, we go back to communication interacting with people is that something you like? Do you prefer to do it one-to-one -one or in groups? Do you like presenting? Do you like running meetings? 
break all of those tasks down and really ask yourself honestly what is energizing you and what are the things that fill you with dread or completely drain you and that's why I talk about your natural talents is the things that energize you and lift you up and as I said it doesn't have to be only things that you are top of your game in they can be things that actually I do enjoy that but I know I could be so much better so then go get better I I interviewed someone just um, earlier this week um, for my my podcast and uh, it's a lady from Russia and one of the examples she shared is that um, early on she because she was being brought up to to um, to work to become a housewife a good housewife and she had other ideas and she wanted to focus on her education and one of the things she started to do is to learn English and every day she said she would listen to English people speaking every day. And then she'd repeat, repeat, repeat. And she was doing this all the time. Why? Because she wanted to understand not just the language, but the accent. And so she did this consistently to master it. Right. And I I use the analogy of the iceberg. Often people see, they, they look at someone and see their successes and they think, oh, well, it's okay for them. Or they're just lucky or they were handed a big favor. They don't necessarily know what goes on below the sea at the bottom of the iceberg, which is all the hard work, the tenacity, the consistency, the commitment to master a certain skill. And so if you find something that energizes you, but maybe you know you can be a lot better, Hmm. go master it. Even if you spend 10 minutes a day on mastering that skill, it is possible to do it rather than spending your time in on tasks that absolutely drain you every day. Yeah, absolutely. So you believe in that thing they say, um, double on your kind of um, strengths, not on your weaknesses, right? Invest on what you are good at already. Yeah, invest in what you are good at and what you, you enjoy in terms of the energy that it gives you, not just like for me, I can say, well, I'm really good at Excel. So let me have a job that requires me to use it all day. Well, no, because that, that, isn't going to be my natural talent let's say so you want to leverage the ones that you that makes you feel good how relevant is for you personal branding for a professional and especially in the future i believe it's absolutely essential Mm. absolutely essential i think a few years ago people didn't necessarily recognize themselves as a brand so you work often for a company an organization who has a brand and you can associate with that brand particularly the larger companies And that was enough. And I feel the way the job landscape has changed and evolved and also the way that people are hiring, um, you know, the technology as it is, social media, we need to be very mindful of the brand that we have and how we're showing up. So that's not only about your your profile and, and what you have about you on social media, but it's also about you as an individual. So people remember you for you. In other words, an example of this would be, let's say you're a salesperson. So I use myself as an example. If I'm working, I previously worked at Hewlett Packard Enterprise in sales. So people knew me for the salesperson at HPE. Okay. But what I want to do is make sure I've established my own brand. So let's say, for example, I move from HPE to IBM or Dell EMC or Pure Storage or wherever that actually those clients that I developed those relationships with, so remember we talked about the relationships, they're the people who, when they're ready to buy, they'll pick up the phone to Leela, not to HPE. And now Leela happens to be sat in a different organization, 
which happens to sell similar solutions. And that's okay. Because now I'm at the top of their mind, not HPE. Does that, do you see the difference? So it's important to, to, to build your own brand. So people remember you for who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to rem- be remembered for. So people have you top of mind. And you remember now, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't so easy to access the people that we can access now in terms of being able to communicate with them or to, to view their profiles on the internet. So now there's so much, so many more people available to us. Absolutely. There's a lot of noise and you want to be able to stand out. And that's why your personal brand is so important. I love that, that answer. And what was your biggest learning during your career, which is quite extensive? My biggest learning in my career, I feel, is the learning that anything is possible. In other words, I, I was once told early on in my career that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. And I've learned that that is true. And it takes hard work. It takes commitment. It takes consistency and it takes tenacity. But if you really want something, you can work at it and you can get there. I believe that is true. Anything is possible. And that's why I advocate for people to really look outside the box and look at new opportunities and trying new things, because that's what will surprise you to realize what you're truly capable. Absolutely. And what are the three things you would say to your younger self, knowing what you know now? Three things I would say to myself. Number one, something I learned when I left finance and went to recruitment is that everyone is equal. We all have value to bring to the table. Why do I say this? Because earlier on in my career, I had huge self-doubt I felt like I had an inferiority complex. Everybody was better than me, cleverer than me, and knew more than me. But when I went into recruitment and I was successful in the role of something I'd never done before, I realized that A, I had value to bring to the table because people would listen to me. And I also realized everyone is equal. No one is better than me or lesser than me. And that's a, a, a big learning, but also a very powerful thing to know. So that would be number one. Number two would be, and it sounds, it sounds easier than it is, but it's letting go of the self-talk, the inner dialogue, because that, if you remember, I talked about mindset earlier, is the biggest thing that can hold us back. And oftentimes, the things that stop us, to one of your earlier questions about achieving success, is that inner dialogue, because we, we tell ourselves things that become our truth, when in actual fact, they're a belief that we have told ourselves so many times that it becomes a truth for us. And the way the mind works is that then it will search for evidence to support that belief. When in actual fact, it's just a belief and we can change our beliefs. So okay. by tuning into yourself, becoming self-aware, being aware of, of where your inner dialogue is taking you, you can start to shift those beliefs to beliefs that will serve you and propel you forward rather than hold you back. So that's my second thing. The third is to remind yourself every day that you are worth it. To look in the mirror and say, I am worth it. And that is about self-love. Again, something that I struggled with earlier on in my career. 
and not recognizing that. So it's something I have worked on. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's a very powerful thing as well to help you with your confidence, the way that you show up, and also the way that people will respond to you. So and that's just that's not just professionally, that's personally as well. So remembering that you are worth it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Leila, again. I really enjoy it. Um, so thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Carla. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.